The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, this is Aaron Carnes. We started this podcast in 2021 to promote my book, In Defense of Ska. Since then, the podcast has grown into its own thing. I've been working on an expanded second edition. I interviewed new people, edited every chapter, and there's a new final chapter, 30,000 new words. The expanded second edition of In Defense of Ska will be released on October 29th, 2024. Can you do something for me? Pre-order it right now at clashbooks.com under the books tab. The more copies it sells in advance, the more it'll get people to support Ska music. Thanks. Imagine an apocalyptic world where humans live on a terrifying planet filled with killer monsters. And to protect themselves, they live in safe and culturally themed bubbles. To make ends meet, most people are forced to work nonstop in the gig economy, which for some includes killing monsters. And in one bubble, the coolest DJ in town is a guy whose claim to fame is that he used to play in the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. This is the premise of Jordan Morris's podcast-turned-graphic novel, Bubble. Actually, that Boss Tones bit was just an Easter egg, but it's one that makes a lot of sense, given that Jordan is a lifelong ska fan. We wanted to talk to him about Bubble, as well as hear his own personal ska story and how the music recently gave him a lot of comfort during the pandemic. Before this interview, I gotta be honest, I didn't know who Jordan was. Oh, yeah? I mean, but... I really enjoy the Bubble podcast. I enjoy the graphic novel. I bought a copy. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I think it's really good. Yeah, you know, and he is like he is kind of a, a legendary uh, podcaster too. He's been doing it since I want to say mid two thousands. Wow, that's a while. When are we going to be legendary? Um, I think maybe by year two we'll be legendary. Yeah, I can't wait. I really can't wait to be a podcast legend along with Jordan. But it's great to find out just, you know, your your average podcast legend is a ska fan. Yeah, I think there's more of them out there than we realized when we started this. Yeah. I mean, he came up in that sort of Orange County ska scene that a lot of kids were in. But he also came in kind of through that Christian ska portal, which I didn't realize at the time what a major portal that was for people getting into ska because of five iron frenzy and some of those other bands it really brought a lot of people to ska yeah i mean i was not aware of the christian ska scene until way later if it brings people to ska then all the better so jordan you have this graphic novel out uh called bubble which is based off of a podcast that you made um a few years ago right yes yes that is all true i noticed there was boss tones referenced twice <laughs> yeah, you got it. There's a mention of a character who had been in Boston's for six months and wouldn't shut up about it. And then later in the book, I guess he scores a DJ gig based off of those credits. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll, I'll run down the joke a little bit. Um, it's a kind of a self-effacing ska joke, but please know that the author is a ska fan from way back and it was not meant to be, uh, uh, it was <laughs> not meant to be a, a, a kick in the face to any ska fan, so loving noogie. 
Um, yeah, so they are, there's a character named Annie. Um, Bubble, I guess I, I should say, I'll, I'll listen, I'll, I'll just, I'll just say what the plot of the dang thing is real quick. Uh, yeah, yeah, let, let's let people know what Bubble's about, because it's a, it's a really, it's a really interesting story. We'll talk about that a little bit more, but yeah, give people a real, just a real general sense of what it is. Yeah, it's, it's a sci-fi comedy. It's kind of set in the near future where, um, you know, humanity has to live on this, you know, strange planet inside these bubble cities because there's all these, you know, carnivorous monsters outside and, you know, people can live in a suburban bubble or a hipster bubble, which is kind of like where most of the action of, of bubble takes place. And our characters are kind of tied to this kind of life and death gig economy, kind of Hunger Games style where they have to uh, slay monsters in order to make their rent. And uh, one of our characters, Annie, is a real classic kind of like brilliant underachiever. She is someone who um, is like this science genius, but really just wants to like get fucked up and eat nachos. And uh, the char- some of the characters are giving her shit because uh, uh, of all the kind of shitty relationship choices she makes. And while they're rattling off kind of lame people that she's dated someone says do you remember that guy you dated who wouldn't shut up about the six months he spent in the mighty mighty boston and uh yeah a little later in the in the book there's a call back to that there's a tiny little text call back to that um i guess it's all text it's book, but you can uh, see that that guy has gotten a pretty sweet dj gig so and that's how what he goes by he goes by a uh, guy who spent six months in the mighty mighty boston <laughs> So is that is that it? Did I miss any other ska in jokes? You know, and this is this is we can debate this a little bit. Uh, but there is a <laughs> one of the characters loves three eleven, and during a scene in which he hallucinates on an alien drug, he uh, conjures up a vision of Peanut P hyphen Nut, the bass player of three eleven. And I think you know, and I think that some people would kind of lump them in with. 90s third wave ska revival they were not a part of my 90s ska third wave revival but um some people might i would loop them in more with the whole new metal thing yeah me too i i i consider them a little more limp biscuit than i do real big fish they did play with skank and pickle though I think aaron wrote about it in his book they tried to kick skank and pickle off the bill because their roadie was making fun of them and so <laughs> They had to agree that the roadie would not be allowed within a, uh, a square block of the venue. Wow. And then they could play the. Yeah, this was um, this was like right as they were starting to get some radio plays. So they were like this was at um, First Avenue in Minneapolis, which is Prince's Club. OK, so this is a club that holds about maybe 14, 1500 people. And, and the headliner was no doubt who was just starting to just starting to take off. And then 311 were the main support. They were a little little bit of radio going on. And the Skank and Pickle was the opening band. So, yeah. And they were already swinging their dicks, huh? Yeah, my favorite my favorite part about that story is one of the members of, of 311 went up to somebody in Skank and Pickle and said, what do you say? Something like, hey, man, what's with the harsh vibes? No, no, he says, what's with the neg vibes? What's with the neg vibes? Love it. <laughs> so chill. I love to... Making sure the roadie can only be a certain distance away from the like, just say he can't work. He can't work the show. Like, what is he going to do from a block and a half away? I guess he could move some equipment to there, and then someone else could like pick it up from him, like relay style. But 
<laughs> he's got like you could plant little shenanigans that get like carried off by the someone else to <laughs> yeah and i guess maybe like from a block away he could like maybe hear some of 311's beautiful yeah. set but they don't even want him to be close enough to even hear it from the outside <laughs> i like that idea I, we don't want you close enough to even hear a muffled version of come original <laughs> <laughs> and so Peanut in particular Peanut. has a lot of reference in this comic. Even I would say a little bit more than 311 even. It was more like there's talk about 311 and then it goes hard into Peanut. So. Yeah, so one of the, so one of the <laughs> characters, Mitch, uh, so he lives in this hipster bubble, but at, at, at heart, he is a very basic man. I think he just wants to like eat at chain restaurants and I think his ultimate dream is to drive a party bus. So we wanted to like do some jokes for Mitch where he has this kind of pedestrian music taste that the hipsters would consider lame. And so we kind of leaned hard into him liking stuff that I think we considered to be like kind of basic, like college guy stuff like Dave Matthews and John Mayer and, and 311. And when this, the time came for him to have this hallucination. We're like, oh, who would he hallucinate? Like, who is in his brain? And I just had this uh, remembrance that the the basis of 311's name was P hyphen nut. And I'm like, ah, that's too that's too funny. Not to not to. <laughs> yeah, I guess that guy's like his you know his vision. The uh, yeah the vision he sees when he uh, you know goes on his vision quest is. P hyphen nut bass player from 311. So anyway. Do we know if P hyphen nut is uh, read your comic or listen to the podcast? So great question. <laughs> Amazing question. So our artist on this, Tony Cliff, uh, I should say that I did not make the whole comic. I co-wrote it with a great uh, comedy writer named Sarah Morgan from the UK. Um, and it is drawn by Tony Cliff, who does the Delilah Dirk series of books. Uh, fantastic artist. And the colors are by Reese, who does the Dungeon Critter series. So Tony just did a beautiful version of Peanut, who looks, he looks great. He's in like a black tank top, um, looking really handsome, great looking goatee. Um, And someone posted on Twitter um, a photo of that page and tagged him in it. And I, you know, said back on Twitter, I think he's just at Peanut on Twitter. Hey, at Peanut, if you, you know, would love to send you a copy of the book. And he starred the tweet, but he didn't send me his information. So he's seen it at least, or just has like a social media person who stars every tweet he's mentioned in. I don't know. Um, I don't know if Peanut's doing social media, but I, I, but my, I think Peanut has seen it, but he has not requested a copy of the book, but I got one for him. I got one set aside. So I would like to point out that, um, uh, the hipsters, hipsters in your world are uh, listening to a guy who was in Mighty Mighty Boston's DJ. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, that is pretty cool. <laughs> I guess I didn't really think about the logic of that. Like, <laughs> oh, if they like think 311's lame, wouldn't they also think this is lame? Anyway, you've you found a plot hole. <laughs> but um, so the hipsters, though, there's um, there's there's some characters in there that are um, like podcasters and hipsters and whatever. And you like deliberately make them annoying. And uh, one of their annoying lines that you give them is that um, they want to have a discussion about the legitimacy of rap rock. Ooh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's a nice dig at rap rock, which, by the way, horrible. 
I hate rap rock. Yeah, same, same. And I think that definitely, <laughs> you know, if you if you were a ska kid in the 90s, you know, rap rock coming along a few years later was just, you know, an, an affront to everything you believed in. Was the, uh, yeah, it was the antithesis of everything you were about. Um, yeah, and it like it pushed all, you know, it kind of pushed ska out of the mainstream. Although, you know, I don't know if like... You could debate whether or not we liked it being in the mainstream, but, but, you know, it kind of like became the new sound of like modern rock radio. Anyway. uh, Yeah. So there's these, these characters who are these like hot take pop culture guys, just like the guys who love to argue in a bar, you know, about pop culture and they think their takes are the best. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I can't imagine either of you are familiar with this type of man. um, (laughs) Never heard of them. (laughs) I assure you. I assure you they exist. Okay. And they turn into this horrible, they get mutated and they turn into this horrible monster made of beards. And, um, and one of, and when they become this beard monster, they have these like bad takes. And one of the bad takes is it's time to revisit rap rock. And, you know, it's interesting. Cause I think, I think when we wrote that line, we were even kind of considering that like, ska was maybe having another moment people say fourth wave i don't know if that's true but you know people say it's like coming back and i'm like oh i wonder what else could come back and like i think we kind of envisioned a a hellscape where people try and rehab rap rock and you know biscuit and kid rock and all those kind of uh uh bad (laughs) acts and i don't know it might it might happen do you think do you think hipsters who like to have a hot take could formulate a, you know, corn was actually really good. Could it happen? Could it happen? Oh, that's fully, that's fully happening right now. Is it? Tell me more. Yeah. When Limp Bizkit, when Limp Bizkit did that, um, which festival was that, that they just did um, like a month ago? Um, was it, was it Lollapalooza? Yeah. Yeah. They were Lollapalooza. Everyone was talking about Fred Durst because, um, he, I don't know. He he changed his look. He has a new grandpa look. He he like made his hair all gray, and he's wearing like Mister Rogers clothes. And so there was so many think pieces, like basically do exactly what you're talking about, like trying like trying to like make it seem smart to uh, pretend that Limp Biscuit were ever good, and that that there was something relevant about their. I don't know. Ooh. I don't know. You know, their energy is something about their energy. And I would I would even say that it's it's partly I would say it's even partly the fault of like ska kind of having a moment because I feel like new ska bands reinvigorating the scene in a way has gotten this people thinking about like, you know, ska revival and, and revisiting this stuff. And so people see people revisiting ska music and they're like, oh well, we should revisit you know, new metal also. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that like ska had so many haters. I don't tell you that like there, it just did. And it, it, it became this bad word and it became this punchline, I feel like. And, and I think that like, I don't know. I think it just holds up to reevaluation so much better. It's like, Hey, this was fun. There was good songwriters. There was good musicians. Like these guys stood for some pretty cool things. Like, I don't know. Can you, can, uh, I don't know. That just seems like an impossible thing to do with, you know, you can take this cookie and stick it up your, yeah, stick it up your, yeah, you know, I don't know. 
maybe I'm an maybe I'm the elitist here, but uh. <laughs> I mean, I'll play devil's advocate a little bit and say like bands bands like the Deftones like have a place. I even really enjoy Slipknot, um, which got lumped into the whole new metal thing. But I'd I'd say they fit almost more in like a a grind or a thrash category. They just happen to wear ridiculous costumes and play festivals. Um, but I I like masks. So. <laughs> like, I enjoy like I I, I like a <laughs> I like a system of a down, and I think they maybe would be like lumped in with those the lesser band. Anyway, so yeah, so you know we could all people people are allowed to like what they want to like. That's true. Unless it's Limp Bizkit. Yeah. <laughs> With a few, I'd say maybe Limp Bizkit and Kid Rock are the things I would not hear a reevaluation. Oh, Kid. I, yeah, I think, I think Limp Bizkit gets more of a pass than Kid Rock for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I guess they've been like less publicly abhorrent. I don't know. Maybe they have, but uh, yeah, I guess I, I consider Kid Rock kind of a bad take machine and, a, uh, you know, on the wrong side of history about stuff. The premise of the, of Bubble is, um, it's it falls into the category of um it's post like post apocalyptic fiction where it's like also commenting on you know part of what part of what's happening right now and in your case it's like the um gig economy and how people who have to live in the gig economy are just kind of desperate and is just surviving and how it's not promising it's not delivering on the freedoms that it like is advertised as um but it's then it's set in this like you know sci-fi world where there's monsters and stuff um I thought you, I thought you did that well, like, cause I feel like it's a, it's a delicate balance to be so overtly commenting on a, something that's current. And in this case, it's gig economy. And then to set it in a future society that's apocalyptic. Um, because when I read, when I read it, I actually felt kind of, it's funny. It, there's funny stuff happening, but kind of made me feel unsettled. <laughs> like gave me a knot in my stomach. <laughs> a lot of the times it's just like the, the, the tone of the world is so like, so uncomfortable. So I think in that sense, I think you really pulled it off because it, it just, do you, were you, were you hoping for people to feel kind of uncomfortable the whole time a little bit with this, with the, with the concept? Yeah. I mean, I, I, the idea came, I, I was visiting this friend of mine in, uh, in Brooklyn who lived in like the coolest part of like Coolsburg, Brooklyn, you know, with like, the cocktails and the guys with the mustaches riding the old timey bikes. I mean, just everything you, you know, everything you think of, you think of like current gentrified Brooklyn and, you know, and she was like working really hard. She like had three gig economy jobs, but still lived in a, you know, in a walk-in closet with, in an apartment with five other people. I mean, she was the only one in the walk-in closet. She wasn't there with five other people, but there were five people in the apartment. She was in the closet. Like, but just had this attitude, like, isn't it great? Isn't this amazing? And she lived above, and the this apartment with five people in it was, was above a nightclub that was, like, literally raging till four in the morning. And, like, I said, I'm like, oh, is it always like this? Is it, is it always like this? Because, you know, we were we were in there just and it was you could just hear this booch 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 from downstairs and she was just like no it's not always like this just wednesday through sunday and (laughs) i think we all we all have this weird stockholm syndrome with cool cities where it's like we just grind and we grind and we (laughs) you know we have these lame apartments and we don't have health insurance and but we're just so excited because there's you know coffee and bands and 
you know, indie bookstores and pop-ups and like, like, I like all that stuff. I'm not saying like, it's, I, you know, I live in, I mean, I live in Pasadena now, but like, which is basically LA, but I lived in like West Hollywood for years and years where like all that stuff was around and I enjoyed all of it. So yeah, I don't know. It just kind of struck me as a weird little thing going on now where we all like, you know, yeah, tie ourselves to these, <laughs> you know, kind of abusive companies who don't give us health insurance, but, you know, make us risk our lives. And, and you know, Bubble was a little, unfortunately, predictive in that, like, you know, during COVID stuff, like gig economies, gig economy workers do, did and do have to risk their lives, you know, to, like, fucking deliver Postmates, you know, you had to brave this uh, pandemic wasteland. So, so yeah, it, it, you know, I think it was kind of like, uh, you know, we we wrote it before anything pandemic-y ever happened, but I mean, it, it, I could see reading it now and kind of feeling like, oh yeah, this is about gig economy workers who have to like deliver Postmates, you know, through a wasteland. But um, but yeah, but I, I think the kind of the 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 groundwork for that world that we are making was kind of there already. So I usually can't do a uh, fictionalized podcasts. Um... But the thing that I found with Bubble, whoever you got to do the acting, has they do a really good job. And also just having having the narration in there really helps. <laughs> I feel like other other maybe some of these other fiction podcasts could take some notes from that. And then the other thing that I really love is is the times when you reference songs in the podcast. Um, you had somebody just make new versions of the of the songs because you can't you can't afford the licensing. Who who made the songs? Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll tell you all about that. So um, so yeah, so the so you know I think we wanted to make fun a little bit of that. So this is something that is in the podcast and not the graphic novel. Um, but in the in graphic the pod- novel, you just you just can use the actual songs because there's no licensing. Right. Yeah, you can just have a character yeah. sing a few lines of it. Um, yeah. So I think we kind of wanted to joke a little bit about you know the, the prevalence in kind of genre stuff of like the needle drops, you know, how like every Marvel movie or DC movie just has like 10 needle drops. Um, So I was like, Oh, wouldn't it be cool if this, like if we could maybe work needle drops into this somehow, but then I'm like, well, but we can't pay for them. So the workaround was to have um, Jonathan Colton, singer songwriter, Jonathan Colton, uh, he of uh, code monkey fame um that's his kind of like viral internet song he's done a ton of uh, uh cool stuff since then uh and it's still going he uh co-hosts an npr game show the name of which i'm forgetting ask me another yes that's it I <laughs> anyway uh jonathan colton great guy look him up so he's just kind of a, a pal of ours from podcasting the pal of the max fun network uh where you can find the full podcast uh yeah and we just kind of said like hey this is what we want to do um we want to write like barely <laughs> barely recognize or not barely rec- but recognizable but like barely legal enough um covers for all these songs and he did a great job he's got a home studio and uh is just kind of a musical genius and a fun guy and i kind of did a first pass of the lyrics and he kind of put a little sheen on them himself and uh yeah they're they're really great there's a there's a, a live episode uh where he does a a uh, barely recognizable color cover of uh, Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah, but it's Howdy Jesus. 
<laughs> so if you haven't checked out the live episode, great, uh, great Jonathan Colton parody on that. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, and and that's a nice that's nice of you to say about the actors. They're definitely like everybody, and it's a pro. So you would recognize stuff. Uh, you got uh, Allison Becker from Parks and Rec, and uh, Eliza Skinner, uh, who's like a great stand-up comic. Um, Keith Powell from Dirty Rock is in there. Um, Cristela Alonzo um, uh, from 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 a gosh darn Cars movie. So yeah, it was just a bunch of fun, kind of cool people we knew from comedy and podcasting who did us a solid and came into work for uh, much, 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 much less than they normally get. So yeah, the the first episode they referenced the song. Um... Is it sail away? Yeah, come Jordan? sail away. They change it to come ride a boat. <laughs> so good. Come so ride funny. a boat. Yeah, I, I kind of wish there was a way to do the gag in the in the comic, but uh, it didn't quite work. So we had to. I mean, it's it's nice because there's enough difference. I feel like between the graphic novel and the uh, and the podcast that you can enjoy one and then enjoy the other. And the difference is it's like the difference of like reading a book and really enjoying it and then watching the movie that's based on it and enjoying that too. Thanks. I think that was definitely like a goal we had. Like we realized that like, I mean, like you said, I think there's people who don't listen to podcasts and who don't listen to fiction podcasts. And there's also like some people who don't read comics, you know? So, so yeah, I think we wanted to make sure that like, if you loved the podcast, you could pick up the comic and still get, some new stuff and some new scenes and you know some new like backstory for people um but if you had never 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 heard the podcast and would never listen to a scripted podcast you could still like pick up the book and like have a good time and not feel like you were you know watching a marvel movie that you hadn't you know seen the previous three movies and you don't know what's going on so yeah, so yeah, hopefully, 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 there's something, some, something for everybody. Whether you, whether you, whether you liked the podcast or didn't listen to it, I think you can still like the book. So yeah, the the graphic novel also. I mean, you already spoke about the artist. They did a real bang up job. Um, shout, shout out their names one more time, just so that. Oh, that's uh, Tony Cliff. Uh, the uh, the art's by Tony Cliff, and the colors are by Natalie Reese. Uh, they're nice. definitely super talented and have a bunch of other uh, cool cool work you should check out. It it made me feel a lot like um, like I checked the podcast out first and then the graphic novel and I was I got what I was hoping for. It really reminded me of of Saga a lot. Oh, thanks, boy! High praise, thank you, thank you, thank you. Both in art and and story tone, where the characters feel very much set, they very much act like people in the real world, um, like people you could know, but they're set in a fantastic world where there's monsters and creatures and dystopian reality you know but they're all still talking about things that we all can relate to thanks yeah that is uh, incredibly nice i am a huge 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 saga fan as uh, as everyone who reads comics should be as, as everyone who has eyes and reads a comic book is yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and i think it's one of those sagas one of those things that like i think is pulled in people who are like i don't read comics but i yeah them. definitely um uh yeah brian k vaughn and fiona staples it's a fantastic series people have probably been yelling at you at you about it for years but uh if you haven't checked it out it is fucking great and yeah and something i love about that is is that tone you were talking about where we have these people in these fantastic situations it's kind of a star wars meets lord of the rings you know road trip quest and 
but they just talk like normal people. They just talk like people you know, and, and, you know, they seem familiar. This isn't like, oh, this isn't, you know, Gandalf the Grey, who is this, you know, fantastic character who I will never meet, but they kind of remind you of people you know in real life, so. Uh, yeah, I, I think that is that's certainly something I was thinking a lot about while making Bubble. It's like, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully it doesn't seem like we were stealing the tone, but man, I like that tone. It, it's fantastic. The song is so good. We'll be right back after this. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Okay, so backing up, to young Jordan. Yes. What was your introduction to ska? So, I uh, I am 39 years old, born in 1982, so, uh, you know, around 1993, 94, I started to be in junior high in Orange County, California. Um, and I think around that time, you know, like, punk's, punk stuff was starting to make its way, you know, onto radio and you know, into malls and, you know, in my friend's disc mans. And so that was like, you know, so that was the kind of the time of Green Day, Offspring, Nirvana, etc. And I think I, I liked all that stuff because it was like high energy and catchy. But because I was and am a very good boy, I think I did not like, I did not like the punk elements of that stuff at first you know i didn't like that there was swears and um you know people people talking about disrespecting the police that's no good what would mom say what would mom say if she heard this filth um so i think i was just a very timid kid like a little religious so i think that like i i what i responded to was like this is fun, this is high energy, this is catchy, but also I'm a little scared of this. Um, it seems like maybe it's bad. Um, and then, oh, like Bad Religion, Bad Religion was there. Um, you know, I think they're kind of like more famous in Southern California than they are all over the place, although they're, you know, very respected, but obviously they were huge, huge, huge around that time. Um, and so... You know, I, so I was kind of like curious about that, but also a little scared. And I think, so I had this friend, uh, Mike Nguyen, shout out to Mike Nguyen, great dude, don't know what he's up to now, nice guy. His older sister, who was like in college, would like drive us around. And she had like tapes of ska, like 
pre-ska boom. And it was a lot of like two-tony sounding stuff. It was like, you guys know Let's Go Bowling? Let's Go Bowling was in there. Um, Dancehall Crashers, a lot of Dancehall Crashers. I know they're not really two-tone, but like, you know. Um, uh, yeah, that was a big one. So I was like, this, I like. This is high energy. This is peppy. This is fun. And they're not like say anything that I think would upset my mom. <laughs> so I think I kind of got into the idea of ska because the early ska I was hearing was very like, very like friendly and fun. And so then I kind of started to dig around about what it was about. And there was a, a newspaper article in the Orange County Register in the calendar section, which I read every Sunday because, um, as I mentioned, I was a very good boy and just sat and read the paper with his mother <laughs> on Sundays. Um, and I remember like seeing an article about what's this ska thing and cutting out all the pictures in the paper of the ska bands and like going to the record store and trying to like find them. Cause I like, I like their vibe. I like that they wore like fun suits and suspenders. And then, you know, so that kind of started, uh, I think the first ska album I had was Question the Answers, Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, um, which is a pretty punk album, you know, and which is a pretty, like, intense album that has, like, social issue stuff on it. So, like, um, you know, and has, and is, like, is, like, is, has a lot of hardcore in it. Like, that's when, like, Dickie was still screaming and, like, they had, you know, like, fucking metal stuff. Um, anyway, so I got that and then a lot of comps. There was this one called OC Ska versus Punk, uh, where it was like a, a, you know, a guy with Liberty Spikes and a guy like dressed as a rude boy, like boxing on the front. Um, and that's what I think where I first heard Save Ferris, which is a very big band for me in high school. Um, and yeah, I think kind of from those comps and like Mail Order is Fun and Give Them the Boot and those kinds of things, I kind of started to piece together the bands that I liked. And then once I hit high school and people started having cars, I just kind of went whole hog and just wanted to go to shows every weekend. And uh, I listened to the Ska Parade on uh, KUCI, hosted by Tazy Phillips, the uh, college radio show where a lot of those, you know, like ska bands got their first exposure. You could kind of hear it from my house. And definitely if you drove around UC Irvine, you could definitely hear it. So we did a lot of like driving around just so we could listen to the Ska Parade. and. Um, yeah, so then I think I was just, like, all about it. And, and and I think I got more comfortable with, you know, punk and anti-authority and swears and stuff like that. So then I kind of folded in, you know. You mentioned being being kind of religious religious as a kid, um, but but you weren't religious enough to fall in with, like, the Christian ska. Oh, oh you, I, you're mistaken, my friend. I, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I, could, I, could, uh, I could sing various Five Iron Frenzy songs. All right, there we go. Uh, and they're great, and I think they have stayed great and... Uh, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if they've had any like <laughs> bad takes recently that I should know about, but like as far as like good music goes, like they were awesome and still are awesome. They were on the I saw them on the Scott Against Racism tour where they were like out there with a bunch of like secular bands. They were out there with like Mad Caddies and Less Than Jake, and I'm like, this is cool. Like, isn't this what the Christian dude should be doing, getting out there? Anyway, yeah, um, Five Iron Friends, you're great. So from what I what I understand, also the SoCal uh, Scoggins racism was was like the biggest of the shows. Can you confirm that, Aaron? I, I I had not heard that. I just remember seeing like the lineup for it, and it was like an insane amount of bands. J- Jordan, can you confirm that? 
I can confirm that, yes. <laughs> it's, a guy, it's a guy who was there in 1996 or whatever. Um, yeah, who do I remember seeing? Definitely the first time I've seen Less Than Jake, uh, who, like, is also still great. Um, maybe, no, I think I'd seen the Mad Caddies. Um, the Toasters were there. There was a bunch of, like, kind of two-tony bands. The, the Debonairs. Um, mm. Yeah, I don't know if I remember too many of the others, but I'm sure. You, oh, Bruce Lee Band. Bruce Lee Band was there. That was really cool to see. Um, yes, yeah, and I bought that new comp they came out with. That was really cool that they, they made that. Do you remember the very first ska show you ever saw? I do, yes. Uh, so Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, uh, Bren Events Center at UCI. Okay. Um, and I think they were the headliners, and I think the openers were, oh, a young Dropkick Murphys, I think, opened that show with the original singer and uh, the amazing Royal Crowns, who were like a Stray Cats kind of rockabilly band. But uh, yeah, that was my first live ska band. And I think shortly after that, uh, I saw the Supertones at church. Nice. Uh, the OC Superstones, uh, the, <laughs> the lesser of the uh, hit Christian ska bands, in my opinion. Um, but huge in the Christian ska scene. Very huge in the Christian ska scene. Um, and then I think... Very, very soon after that, I saw um, Safe Ferris, Aquabats, Real Big Fish, Blink-182 opening that show. I recall some Skank and Pickle shows where Blink, called Blink at the time, opened. And it was like a, when an early, one of the first Rancid shows, which when they were still playing clubs, it was like, I think Blink opened that too, yeah. They were kind of like the pop punk band you could kind of throw in. I feel like I saw them in the Ataris at a lot of ska shows. I feel like I saw the Ataris open for Dancehall Crashers a couple times. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I was going to say when Adam went for you on the Christian thing, I was going to say like you, um, you were a guest on a Christian podcast, Good Christian Fun, where you had a had a five iron frenzy conversation. We did, yeah. Good Christian Fun, by the way, great podcast um, uh, where they dissect a piece of Christian entertainment. Um, it's always fun and funny. They're super hilarious. And yeah, I've been on the show a couple of times and I've always kind of insisted on doing Christian ska and punk things just because that was the like Christian media that was most important to me. So yeah, we did a Five Iron Frenzy episode and we did an MXPX episode. Uh, Five Iron Frenzy holds up much better in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah, and I think Five, Five Iron has a, a new album and I think some of the members are no longer Christian, some are. And I feel like it, it broadens the the scope of their... Uh, what they're about a little bit more and, and I think makes them a little bit more accessible to a larger audience. And, and I think it strengthens their message. They've also maintained a, um, they've, they've maintained a, maintained a progressive political point of view as well. And I've been trying to have tried to gel it with, with the Christian message as they see it, which is kind of puts them as a unique voice in the Christian landscape of 2021. Yeah. Yeah, I, I always I always remember them having like a pretty a pretty nuanced approach to like songwriting and they were like critical of parts of Christianity that they felt like needed criticism and yeah, it was definitely not just like praise him, praise him, pick it up, pick it up, pick it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean that would be a hit, Jordan, if you wanted to start a Christian song. <laughs> yeah. You got a good chorus right there. Can you guys send me that audio file? Can you guys snip that out and send that to yeah, me? Yeah, sure. So we'll, I just, you know, we'll Skype it to your inbox. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> how, would you, how would you compare, um, was there big differences between the Christian ska shows and the 
not Christian ska shows? Oh, that's an interesting question. I'm going to say yes and no. I think that like the, the thing that young timid me was responding to about you know ska was that like this is a safe place to goof around. I can just go here and like goof around. And I think like the church shows really felt like that. It's like, let's drink a bunch of soda and wear our dad's hats. Like, you know, it was just like, <laughs> we can just be goofballs. And I think that some of the kind of all ages ska shows felt like that. But then, you know, I did, we did go up to the showcase theater in Ventura, which is a very rough venue um, to see shows. And I think by then I was getting a little bit more comfortable with like, being around people who were drinking and like smelling marijuana and all these other things. I think I was a little scared of in the beginning. Um, so yeah, I, I think that definitely there were a lot of like YMCA shows that I went to that felt just like, this is like summer camp and we're all running around and you know, I'm, I can do the worm in the middle of the pit and <laughs> everybody will think it's cool. Um, but then, yeah, but I think then I kind of, I, I got so into, you know, bands and going to shows that I think I branched out into places that were a little more like traditional rock and roll venues uh, when when I was comfortable. So I see. Yeah. Yeah. It's strange for me because I grew up in a pretty religious home in a church. And I, when I was younger, I was sort of, you know, I had to go to Christian shows, but this was pre Christian ska. So, but by the time Christian ska became a thing, I was out of that. So I never really experienced Christian ska. Um, but I have, I have experienced Christian shows. I could tell you about like seeing DC talk and some of these bands. Whoa. You saw the yeah. talk. Hell yeah. I saw, the t- <laughs> cool. I saw DC, I saw DC talk. Um, but they opened for Michael W. Smith and say, they were like, we're the young hip rap scallions and we're going to make people put their <laughs> hands up in the air. Unlike that old, <laughs> that old unhip Michael W. Smith. Yeah, <laughs> they're like super high color, like shirts. It was yeah. That that was kind of like the vibe of those like youth group shows about like the grown ups would flip if they knew what we were doing. Like they still wanted to make you feel a little bit bad. Like we're gonna watch all the Back to the Future movies and you know eat red vines and we're gonna use them for straws in our sodas. Like <laughs> this this kind of like very like mild you know, this very mild tune that they like to put on. I think that's such a funny part of that, like, Christian pop culture zone. The only Christian ska band I ever saw, though, was Fiverr and Frenzy, and that's because they played ska against racism. And and that, but that was, yeah, that was a totally different vibe. Uh, I imagine then what would have been the Christian, which they, they like to, they like to be in that, you know, that scene pretty frequently, you know, the, the normal ska scene, not exclusively the Christian scene, but although they would do that too. Yeah, I, I think that is like that is that is just a testament to ah, testament. That's fun. A uh, <laughs> a testament to like how cool they were slash are is that like it seems like one of their values is like okay, well you can play at a church and you know pretty literally preach to the choir, but um, you know if you have a message you want to get out, like get out there with secular bands and talk to secular kids and do something that is a is a good an objectively good cause like scott against racism go out there and be against racism so it, it, it's really cool i i think that like 
I, I haven't like totally kept up with them, but like I, I, I would like to think that like they they kind of transcend what you think a Christian ska band would be. Definitely. They definitely do. So you moved to Santa Cruz for college? I did, yeah. So when 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 was that? That was in so I graduated in two thousand. So yeah, I think I was uh in Santa Cruz from two thousand to two thousand and four. And I was that was around the time when like I was really starting to get shit for liking ska. Um <laughs> but I leaned in a little bit and there was a dude named, I knew named Brian Heater. Um shout out to Brian Heater if he's listening, who did a ska show on the local uh, college radio station and I, I did it with him for a quarter where I was like his little co-host um, so yeah we played Ska Records on the special brew um, Saturdays at 3 I believe we were on so nice so was that your introduction into doing um, radio type stuff uh, yeah kind of so I got into radio via my podcast partner Jesse Thorne uh, who, who runs MaximumFun.org and he is my co-host on the Jordan Jesse Go uh, aimless chat podcast and so he was a year ahead of me and was already like doing you know 5 a.m shows on the college radio station and he um and i was in his improv group yeah that's right i like scott and improv. I'm in <laughs> well, who's this guy i can't figure him out um so yeah so he he i, I was in his improv group he brought me along to the radio station to do like little bits that I'm sure were not funny at all. Um, but I think we thought they were. So yeah, so I kind of met him and Brian uh, who did the special brew. And I think we were like a little radio crew. So uh, yeah, that was my introduction to radio. And I, I guess at that kind of like turned into podcasting. I think that little college radio show that Jesse and I did um, uh, kind of just turned into our podcast, which we still do once a week. So yeah. What's uh what's Jesse's take on ska and slash your ska interest? Oh, I think he thinks it is dumb. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think he yes, yeah, so he is a like a he is like a hip hop and soul music fan, and I think that sure. like he 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 was he was very annoyed by the ska revival when it was because we're about the same age. So I think he was like. I think he thought it was pretty dumb. So yeah, and I think I like it's kind of early episodes of our show are are a lot a lot of it is like giving me shit for liking ska and i kind of like even put the brakes on it at a certain point i had to say like hey man can we like not do this anymore um <laughs> <laughs> and uh so yeah so i think i i think that i, I don't know how he feels I, I i think he he uh, you know i think obviously when we look back it's like the 90s had bigger problems than the ska revival you know um so i think it's 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 um I think people kind of look back on it fondly now, but it was definitely like um, a, a, an early source of like, you know, lovingly giving me shit in the beginning of our relationship. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd wager if you put on Hepcat or the Frighteners for him. Yeah. He'd be into that. I mean, if he likes, if he likes soul and hip hop, like I feel like those bands kind of like fit nicely into that, into that, like a, Venn diagram of things that you like. Yeah, and I think you have you have the Slackers, you have mm -hmm. uh, sure. the late great Go Jimmy Go, and you have all those other bands that kind of folded in, you know, kind of 
soul and R&B and reggae and jazz and like, yeah. And, 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 and it's so interesting. And I, 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 I'm, I'm sure you guys, this is something you guys feel too, but I think, you know, when, when ska became the punchline, people just thought of it as like dudes in Hawaiian shirts singing songs about spam, you know? Um, and I think that like, we were like, Hey, but there's all this other stuff. There's the, there's the soul and R&B stuff. There's the punk stuff. There's the hardcore stuff. And we're like, no, it's just guys in Hawaiian shirts playing songs about spam and it's lame, you know? Yeah, that I would say that was a huge, huge premise of my book was yeah. just to say, uh, I get I get it. I get that you want to make fun of um, Real Big Fish and people who like that, but that's not the entirety of the genre. And like let's just try to broaden our sense of what the genre is because it gets tiring to listen to people make fun of in an entire genre based off of five bands. Yeah, for sure. Like, like learn a little bit more about the genre. If you're going to like make fun of it, it's just, I don't know in any other genre where five bands represents the entirety of the, of the bad jokes that you make about it. Yeah. I'm sure if people like have a bad taste about a genre, like they're, you know, they're thinking of the version of it that annoys them the most. I don't know. And maybe we're doing it with new metal and Limp Bizkit, but like, <laughs> I even think that there are people, there are like intense ska haters who loop in like Sugar Ray and Smash Mouth, who think that like that is ska and that's like what we were into, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, maybe in hindsight, some of those Smash Mouth songs hold up pretty well. But, but, you know, I think that, yeah, to a lot of people, it was just this kind of like, yeah, just these kind of goofballs, you know, uh, taking a Jamaican music and making it kind of goofy and suburban. So I, I yeah, so I think that 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 was something that like something that as Scott fans, I think we always we we feel a little bit like we've got a, a, a pebble in our shoe about. Sure, yeah. We'll be right back after this. After college, you moved back to um, Southern California, and uh, did you go right into uh, doing like comedy and and uh, writing for TV and, and and working in this industry? Yeah, so I started out. So I moved to LA after I graduated from college, and I um, then I started doing like PA jobs, which is like the lowest showbiz job you can have. It's like coffee getter, script copier. Um, you know, take my Beamer to the car wash, uh, bring me bagels, that kind of thing. Um, so I was doing those jobs, uh, you know, uh, in the in the mornings. And then in, at night, I was like taking improv classes and doing improv at like UCB and uh, the late great IO and uh, places like that. So yeah, I was kind of starting to do comedy and kind of figure out what parts of comedy that I liked uh, while I was just kind of learning about the, you know, day-to-day production showbiz side of it, um, buying clothes for Fran Drescher's dog. <laughs> Something I actually did. What's lower though, PA or working in the mailroom? <laughs> oh, good question. I mean, I, I, I never, I've never worked in the mailroom. I think that the mailroom probably has some sort of, has maybe a dignity that PA does not have. Okay. Because you don't have to do anything. You have to work with mail. And I think with PA, it's like, all right, you know, Anything they want. Photocopy these scripts, but also, you know, 
my kid's soccer ball was deflated. You have to go get them a new soccer ball before practice. So stuff like that. Um, uh, so yeah, I think there's probably a dignity to working in the mail room and maybe it might be a union job. No. Um, but I bet, you know, harder to get noticed in the mail room, harder to, you know, get out there and learn about writing or producing or whatever it is you really want to do. So sure. there's, there's pros and cons to each. So the last, I would say from about 2010, you know, for about a decade and it, and it picking up steam, suddenly we're seeing ska jokes in TV shows. Yeah. You're in that world. What's going on? Is it just, is it all these like ex ska people or is it like just full on ska haters that are inserting all these jokes in these shows? Do you have any insight for us as a, as a person in this industry? This is an interesting question. Can you can you cite a couple? Um, I can think of maybe one or two off the top of my head. But can you, to you, what are the like high profile ska jokes that have appeared in media? There's the Brooklyn Nine Nine one with Andy Samberg. Oh yeah, sure. There's the there's the crazy ex girlfriend one, which is really specific, right? Um, I don't remember that. I think think, think they reference um, Impossibles in that one, right? And the hippos, I think. Yeah. And the hippos? Whoa, those are deep cuts. Well, that's got to be from a ska fan, right? Because uh... definitely. But here's I'm gonna th- I'm gonna throw in a brand new one. Um, well, uh, like so, what we do in the shadows, season one. Mm-hmm. There's a scene where um, a character's turned into a vampire, and then she they're at a party, and there's a ska band playing, and then she kills the lead singer of the ska band, right? <laughs> And so I, I Googled it right after I watched it. I'm like, who's that band? I was just curious. And I found an interview with like someone, a producer or somebody. And they're like, yeah, um, we all hate ska. And we were like, who's, no. the, who's, the, who's the audience going to be okay with, with having this character kill somebody? Oh, a singer of a ska band. No one's going to care about that. <laughs> um, so I would guess. I would guess that you've got, I think you probably have both going on because, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, there's a huge overlap between ska and improv comedy. Um, So I think that like, if you were like a a high energy goofball, you are kind of prone to liking ska and then therefore prone to maybe like getting into comedy. So I think there probably are a lot of people writing for, you know, your crazy ex-girlfriends and your Brooklyn Nines Nines who who were ska kids and maybe like, you know, want to put in some loving references. But then I think you are probably right. I think there's probably just as many like, you know, haters who who want to take a dig. So yeah, it's tough. I think you got to just kind of judge it reference by reference. Uh, I, did you guys see that movie in the Mitchells versus the Machines? Yes. There's a little joke in that where the character is running through identities that she's going to have when she goes to college. And there's a little flash where she's got on a sky outfit. Um, yep. I'm actually friendly with the director of that. And, and he's a fan. That's a, a loving joke. Oh, okay. Nice. Nice. That's a great movie. Yeah, it really is. Terrific movie. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, I think, yeah, I think a lot of media is being made by, you know, <laughs> people who were kids in the 90s. So I think it's going to like been there. Sure. Yeah. So you, um, at midnight, was that like, was that your first kind of a bigger break? I guess you could say. Uh, yes. I was a writer on at midnight on comedy central and I had been working in like deep, deep cable. Uh, I was, I worked for years on a show called fuel TV 
this is in like the last gasp of cable when like you had 600 channels and this was a like action sports channel um and i did their like goofy comedy infield pieces so i did that for years but that was a like non-union job on a tv network that nobody watched and i did a lot of like you know web series type jobs but at midnight was my first like writers guild you know job on a show that people i knew actually watched so yeah that was a, that was a, a big deal for me and a really fun gig um uh, but yeah, that was definitely like, it was not my first like writing gig, but it was, it, it, it felt like the, the biggest deal. Yeah. And you, and you got to appear on it like a half dozen times as well as a contestant. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a fun part about writing for at midnight is that when somebody doesn't show up, they throw oh. in a writer. So, uh, yeah, so I did get to be on at midnight a couple of times, uh, based on somebody not showing up, um, yeah. And it was always really fun. It's just a blast that, that, that show was great. I wonder. Uh, yeah, I wish they. I wish there was more like panel show type comedy shows on on the air. That's such a fun format. I, think I would love, I would love for that to be a um, uh, an ongoing thing that happened. But um, but yeah, there hasn't really been anything like it since. Not that I know of. Yeah, I saw a video. Um, I assume you made it, or somebody who represents you made it, where it was like a supercut of your scenes and your your like your good answers, and and then it's like book me and here's my <laughs> i think that might be my reel yes maybe that is my that is my reel it has my <laughs> manager's contact on there that might be out of date um yeah you can watch that on my website jordanmorris.net <laughs> was scott coming up as a topic or joke i mean I, I used to watch this show i just can't remember any off the top of my head do any no we did a, so we like you could always get a laugh making a joke about smash mouth um, sure yeah you could always, yes, I think that's, I think the word hooba stank is just funny. So I think <laughs> they started as a ska band. I mean, it's such a ska bandy name, isn't it? Oh, cause it used to be who boo stank. No way. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't hooba. It was who boo at first. <laughs> so wait, do they have an album? Can I go and find the hooba stank? 100%. No way. It's called the, they don't make basketball shorts like they used to. <laughs> <laughs> i love that i know this because because link 80 link 80 and homegrown played with them at the ventura theater no way wow homegrown they had a horn section and a bass player that would wear like this dumb like kind of like pointy cowboy hat thing and like and like shants you know the like big baggy short pants yeah and I don't know if they made that guy go to a stylist or if they just got a new bass player, but they had a horn section and they kicked the horn section out. And then the next thing you know, they put out that the reason song and changed the U to an A and the rest is music history. <laughs> yep. Did you ever talk to the band about the, the conversation that they had about the, the name change? That would be great to find out about. That would be like we need a behind the music special on the on the name change <laughs> <laughs> on Huba Stank. I would love it if like Hooba Stank was like, we're bringing back the horns. <laughs> Scott nostalgia is here. We're leaning into it. Hoobo Stank is back. If Ska is truly back, that's how we'll know. Yeah. If we get Hoobo Stank. Mm -hmm. <laughs> be, yes, we'll all know. Like, yes, now the fourth wave is here. <laughs> the fourth wave is now here. Before we were recording, you you were talking about We Are the Union, who sounds like you're you're familiar with already. Yeah, so I um, 
you know, I definitely like had a moment. I think I mentioned it earlier where I was like, nah, hey, I, <laughs> I think I, I would like to stop dicking on ska music for a second. And I kind of like forgot about it a little bit. But um, one of my pandemic things I picked up was running. Like I, you know, because that's one of the only things you can do. I went up there and like ran. And part of the thing I that got me through it is I love making playlists. I love making playlists that I could run to. And I'm like, you know, this is a private thing for me. It's just to pump me up. I don't need to show this to anybody. I can put just what my heart wants on this. And um, yeah, it was a lot of like, Listen, Jake, Slow Gherkin, uh, Op Ivy, and like, I think the algorithm in its infinite wisdom just, just is like, we know who you are now. And then I started getting <laughs> uh, Omnigon and We Are the Union and um, <laughs> Abrascadabra and kind of all these, all these great new bands. And so like, yeah, I've just been having fun kind of like getting into these bands that are awesome ska bands that I didn't know were around. Man, I can't run to ska. Oh yeah? I cuz I I feel like forced to run to the beat. Yeah. And then and then I just feel like I'm running way too fast. I'd listen to podcasts if I'm going running. How far are you running when you go out running? Uh I do an app called Couch to 5K, so it's like it's like 40 minutes and you do like 3 miles. Okay, cool. And then it starts you off with like intervals, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, you do like a walk run, walk run and then you Built you up to this running, so yeah, nice. New Bruce Lee band's got a good, a lot of good running tracks. Anyway, let's talk about Mike Park for a second. Sure, he listens. To, <laughs> he's a regular listener to this podcast. Okay, oh, um, yeah. and he called me uh, yesterday, and he was like, "I'm really disappointed that every single guest doesn't talk about me. I want every single guest <laughs> to talk about me. So you need to start asking every guest what they think of me." So. Fucking legend. I mean, the new Bruce Lee band stuff is good. As I mentioned, uh, there's a song called Miss Me. Everybody check out the song MS period me by Bruce Lee band. It, fuck, it fucking rules. Um, the Chinkies searching for a brighter future. Of course, that's, that's like one of the best ska albums. Um, Absolutely. That's yeah. So Mike, Mike Park's great. He's out there. He's still doing it. Um, yeah. I don't know. Mike Park is great. No complaints about Mike. <laughs> there you go, Mike. I noticed um, in the photo, uh, one, I, I don't know if it was a press photo or something, but you had a pair of shirt on. So are you are you a fan of Bad Operation then? Yeah, Bad Operation is great. Um, yeah, that is the the kind of two-tony ska band that has some members of pairs in it. Um, yeah, Bad Operation is awesome. I'd love to, they're another like band who I'm like, I, the algorithm taught me that they exist and I like can't wait till their <laughs> shows again to see uh, yeah, all those bands. So it's interesting. So you, it was the, it was the, um, pandemic was kind of brought you back to ska then it was more just from having, is it more from having the time or just sort of the, like, I don't know, wanting, wanting something that you like to be part of your life that, you know, doesn't, doesn't really matter what anyone thinks of it sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, all of the above, definitely. I think that, that, that is all true. And I think that, like, a lot of reason that people, like, are talking about, like, Scott kind of being back is because, like, you know, the world's just a fucking bummer and we're all kind of trying to remember stuff that felt good and stuff that made us happy in times when, like, we felt like we were connected. Connection, I mean, was such a big part of that. You just get together in this room with a bunch of other dorks and you dance around, you know? Like, like... It was such a like, I don't know. It was such a it was such a kind of a wonderful community kind of thing to do was to go to those shows. 
So I think we're all like looking back at that and going, God, that was fucking fun. I know we all kind of like, we all were a little embarrassed of it at a certain point, but like, man, it was fun. And, and, uh, oh, to have fun like that again, I think it's just like something that I think I was feeling and a lot of other people were feeling. And yeah, and just this kind of thing about like, like life, life short, like what you like, you know? And I think it's like, hey, you know, whatever. If I, if I, people get in my car and a less than Jake song starts playing, like, I don't know, maybe they'll tease me for a little bit, but like, they rule. I know they rule. Um, you know, this pumps me up. This makes me feel good. Like, <laughs> the world is very bad sometimes. Like, yeah, I don't know. It, it, yeah, so I think I, I've really been kind of reevaluating lately and like, yeah, just like it's, it's been a, it's been just kind of a, a, a wonderful, like old friend to have with me. And uh, yeah. And the fact that it kind of gets me out there to run and do something like, like good for me is, is awesome. And I think that's like, the music is such a huge part of that. And like ska is a big part of that. So yeah, I don't know. It's just, it, it, it's kind of like, it's kind of come back in, into my life in a really nice way. Thank you so much for listening to In Defense of Ska. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe to the show wherever you normally download podcasts. If you haven't already, grab a copy of my book, In Defense of Ska, available at clashbooks.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. It's at In Defense of Ska. You can also sign up for my newsletter at aaroncarnes.substack.com. You will get the podcast sent directly to your inbox every Wednesday. In Defense of Ska would not be possible without the great team that tirelessly works on it every week. So you should go check out their other projects as well. Co-host Adam Davis has a great band called Omnigon. Give them a follow on Instagram. It's simply at Omnigon. And our editor, Chris Reeves, has a phenomenal record label and podcast called Ska Punk International. For more information, go to skapunkinternational.com. And on that note, we leave you by saying, Ska now more than ever. Thank you. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.